because uh, this pandemic's not over yet. And a lot of people uh, during this pandemic have revived their interest into gaming. Uh, the giants of the video game industry, including Microsoft, Nintendo, Twitch, and Activision have thrived in the conditions created by the pandemic. People are at home, they're bored, they're self-isolating. They have no traditional sports to watch until the return of golf today. And in April, Microsoft disclosed that the number of subscribers to its Game Pass service, it's kind of like a Netflix for gaming, cracked 10 million. Among those subscribers, Microsoft reported 130% increase in multiple player engagement across March and April. And that's how, you know, people are socializing online, playing games together. Last week, Nintendo announced sales of its Switch console were up 24%. Year after year, while its new game Animal Crossing New Horizons has sold 13.5 million copies since its release in late March. Also, during the pandemic, cybercrime has gone up. And this week, Nintendo warned that the hack that they reported in May was a little bit bigger than they thought. Here to talk about it, David Shipley, our 640 Toronto cybersecurity expert. Welcome to the show, David. Good to have you on. Thanks for having me. So give us the background on the Nintendo hack and originally what they thought um, it affected and what it actually affects. So this has to do with a breach of what's known as Nintendo Network ID. So usernames and accounts for uh, what originally was thought to be 160,000 individuals. Um, and these uh, network Nintendo IDs were used by uh, kids and adults who use like the Nintendo 3DS or the Wii U um, to be able to access their accounts or particularly more and more um, shop using their accounts with the virtual funds to buy items and games or other things. Nintendo's now revealed that the total affected IDs is actually 300,000 uh, individuals affected and uh, is encouraging users uh, to reset passwords. Other information that may have been breached includes nicknames, date of birth, and email addresses may have also been lost. Right, but apparently they're saying that credit card information wasn't exposed. Why not keep all the personal information with the credit card information in the video game vault? <laughs> These video game makers are terrible at protecting personal information. So we've seen massive breaches over the last 10 years of Sony twice, uh, now Nintendo. And typically, uh, higher security often comes at a higher cost, both to implement, continue to run, and update. And the credit card stuff is usually more secure because they face fines if they don't actually lock it down. So they can actually be fined by Visa and MasterCard in the event of a, a breach that can really hurt uh, online vendors and others. So they take it seriously. There's no real consequence um, outside of maybe Europe um, if you breach someone's birthday and an email address, even though that that can be used to cause harm to a person. Okay. Admittedly, I haven't played a video game for ages. I think the last one I might have tried was the James Bond video game years and years ago in the 90s. <laughs> I, I'm, yeah, I'm fascinated by them. I think they've, they've done a good job. They've come a long way. It's, they look like they'd be more exciting and possibly... Uh, a little bit more addictive than the games that, you know, were out there when I was growing up, like the Pac-Man and stuff, but, and, you know, Space Invaders, but um, in-game purchases, help me out here. Do they just, are, is this a way to replace the frustration of learning as you go? Are they basically shortcuts? How do they work? These are, uh, first and foremost, a 
massive moneymaker for games. Um, so let's take some of the most popular games out there, like the Call of Duty franchise. Um, so you might pay your 80 or $90 to buy the game when it comes out every year. And then within that, in order to access new uh, uniforms, new weapons, new upgrades, special skills, etc., you keep forking over the dollars. Uh, so, you know, you might have five bucks here, 10 bucks there. The next thing you know, your $90 game actually turned out to be an annual 200 to 250 dollars spent does this make the game more fun or is this like a way of um accommodating lazy players that don't want to keep playing and playing and playing because you had to earn those um privileges before didn't you that's how you got to the next level that's how people like me that sucked at video games became bored and decided to give up on them Yes. So yes and yes. Uh, it is a way to make the game more fun and it is a way to not have to work to do it. Um, but just like the real world, money equals power and access. Uh, so if you have money, you can bypass all that hard work stuff. Um, so maybe it's teaching kids and adults another lesson about the world we live in. Who knows? But it's making the video game makers a hell of a lot of money. They actually make more money on these major game releases than Hollywood blockbusters. Wow. And it's also making users more vulnerable to hacks. Absolutely, because now they have a bunch of little bank accounts uh, mm -hmm. without, obviously, bank-level security. Uh, and so what attracts online criminals? Uh, large sums of money, large sums of untraceable digital money, and insecure systems. So it's the perfect recipe for headaches for everybody. Um, speaking of everybody, there's a lot of businesses that are going through turmoil because of the pandemic and everyone is affected by it. But uh, it's my understanding that businesses aren't really keeping up with security during the pandemic. Do you want to focus on that and give us a little insight into what you know? Sure. Um, so we've seen some interesting analysis from venture capital firms in the United States, as well as uh, firms like Gartner, who are seeing a uh, spending freeze. Uh, so net new cybersecurity investments are being frozen. And we've, we've seen that in our business as well. Deals not necessarily dying, but uh, being put off for months and months. We've also seen cases where dedicated cybersecurity teams, when they exist in large businesses, sometimes being reallocated to support other IT because of pandemic needs or even uh, contemplations of budget cuts. And this comes at a time when attacks are skyrocketing. Um, and the challenge for Canadian businesses is compared to global peers, we were already significantly underinvesting, uh, and it's the worst time for businesses that are still open to be dropping their defenses. Wow. So uh, what is your recommendation? What do people do? Because it, everybody's looking at their... Um, businesses right now and the health of their businesses, just trying to keep them alive? Well, focus on the essentials. And, and that includes making sure that you've got systems or processes or people to keep your computers, uh, iPhones, mobile devices patched and up to date. Train your people. That's the space that we actually operate in. Making sure you're continuously educating them about new threats. And there are lots of ways to do that. Um, and uh, don't, you know, necessarily, you don't have to buy the latest and greatest um, cybersecurity silver bullet, um, but don't lose sight of the fundamentals. Keep your devices patched, your people trained, um, and uh, be careful out there because um, criminals are laying down uh, sort of the roots of attacks with people working from home um, that as businesses resume, they will turn into massive ransomware attacks. Um, and that can hit your business at the worst time when you're already weakened uh, from the pandemic. So be careful.